0: The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. Thank you for joining us tonight. We've got a great show scheduled for you tonight. Two guests will be joining us throughout the evening. In the beginning of the show, we'll have Dr. Stephen Holtz join us. He is a... uh, Well, he's a medical doctor. He's got a lot of things going on. but He's going to talk specifically about some of the practices that have been put in place for coronavirus mitigation. And the fact that people are starting to recognize this is a serious infringement upon freedoms in certain cases. Things that the Constitution clearly says the government doesn't have the right to do. So are we okay with this? Uh, Is it okay if it's in the name of health, public safety, I don't know. We're going to see what uh, Dr. Holtz has to say about it tonight. He'll be our first guest. And then in the second part of the program, Dr. Dad, or excuse me, Mr. Dad himself, Armin Brought, will be here to talk about things that you can do with your kids because many kids are not going to school and won't be for the rest of the year. That does create some hardships. We'll talk about that as well. But we'll also talk about ways that you can enjoy the time and make Uh, better use of it or at least good use of the time so two great guests tonight i'm looking forward to the program we'll bring them in uh, one at a time make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel if you haven't done that as of yet go to youtube search for jv johnson and subscribe to that channel there's no fee there's 500 600 or so back episodes there it's a great way to catch up on some of the shows that we've done in the past and also subscribe to the podcast version of the show It can be found on any of the major podcast distribution networks like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. It's very easy to find. It's called Beyond Reality Paranormal in the podcast community, but it is easy to find. So uh, subscribe to all those things for us. We appreciate you doing that and hope that you find some enjoyment out of it. Even though most of us are kind of stuck at home these days, but there is some downtime even when you're home. In fact, you should make some downtime weather starting to improve in a lot of places go outside stick your earbuds in and listen to one of our podcasts it's a great way to enjoy the outdoors please support the program go to patreon.com slash that's j-o-h-a-w another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank
1: of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply.
0: Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Coming up in just a little bit in the program, we've got Armin brought, who's also known as Dr. Dad, joining us to talk a little bit about things you can do to better pass the time now that many of us are home um, with our kids, kids are not going to school due to this coronavirus pandemic. So how can you make use of that time and how can you stay sane? Both of those things we'll be talking about with uh, Armin Brot coming up in the program. But first, Dr. Stephen Hotze is our guest. He is a, the founder and CEO of the Hotze Health and Wellness Center. Also, Hotze Vitamins and Physicians Preference Pharmacy International. We've got a lot to talk to him about. Dr. Hotsu, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's great to have you on the show with us tonight.
2: JV, it's great to be here. Welcome and greetings from Houston, Texas, the great state of Texas, to you guys in New York.
0: <laughs> Tell me how uh, the weather's faring down there. You didn't Sir, get hit. it was
2: beautiful today. I played golf the last two days. Yesterday, the high was 63. Oh, wow. Today, the high was 73. North wind, blue skies, awesome.
0: So you didn't get hit by any of those storms that went through the central part of the country? We did didn't you?
2: have any problems here. It was just beautiful.
0: <laughs> Good to <laughs> it hear. It was gorgeous. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, Let's talk about what's going on around us. Now, as a medical doctor, you have an interest in this pandemic, as anyone in the medical profession well, would. Well, first,
2: I hate that it's called a pandemic, but anyway, that's just part of the media hype. It pales in significance to the annual flu season every year, and they go, well, just not the flu. Sir, if we'd never, if we'd had it done, if if nobody had planned this all out, and uh, they would have said, "Well, it's this year. It's the China. It's the Wuhan flu, and it's kind of tough this year. It's a harder flu than we had the last year." Every year, fifty thousand people, on an average, die in the United States from a flu. A flu. The flu is—you can say—I had the flu. What does that mean? I had cough, congestion, I had body aches and some chest problems. You know, and a lot of viruses can cause that. One of them is the coronavirus can cause those the same symptoms as you get with the flu. So. Let's just be let's just be clear about it. This particular flu has paled in significance. I mean, this particular virus, the coronavirus, pales in comparison to the current flu. The current flu, according to the CDC, just look at it online, folks. I'm just like Sergeant Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. Just give me the facts. Okay, here are the facts. CDC, look it up yourself. CDC.gov. Look up the amount of flu, the flu this season. It says upwards of 54. Million, million people have had the flu this year, one out of six people. Upwards of 64,000 people have died. That's 340 people every day since October 1st. Hmm, let's compare that to the coronavirus right now. Doesn't even, there's no comparison. And and the flu and, and the coronavirus are minimalistic compared to all the causes of death. There's no perspective here. Let's get a perspective. How many people do you think die every year in the United States? You, do you have any idea, JV?
0: How many people total die? Die,
2: die every year in the United States.
0: I don't know what that number would be. It's gotta be the millions.
2: Yeah, 2.8 million. And so we have, right now, 20,000 people have died of the coronavirus and upwards of 64,000 of the flu. Yet 2.8, what do they die of? Well, they die of heart disease, 650,000, cancer, they die of diabetes, they die of Alzheimer's, they die of strokes. They die of of uh, painkiller uh, overdose. Eighty eight thousand die of alcohol related problems. We're talking. We have tremendous health problems in our country. If we spent all the time and energy that we spent on this stupid thing to help the, to help people get healthy, people are dropping dead. Eighteen hundred people drop dead every day of heart disease. Why isn't everybody out thirty seven thousand people die every year on the freeways, two point four million are injured and have and have to go to the hospital. That's six and a six and a half thousand people every day. These are public health problems. You don't hear everybody crying and let's stop work. We're gonna we're gonna stop work. We're gonna make everybody do this, that, and you can't wear this and you gotta do that, and you gotta wash your hands and you can't eat this. That's just total BS. I'm mm-hmm. so sick of it, I'm up to my eyeballs in it. And I know what I'm doing. I've been in practice 44 years. I've seen over 40,000 patients in our centers. And this is a, look, I'm 69. This thing comes around all the time. Some hard flu one year. It's a hard flu season, not a hard flu. But somebody jumped on this thing because I heard about this the first time in January. I get the Wall Street Journal every day and I look on the front page. It's a front page story. 200 people have the coronavirus in in uh, China, and three have died. In his front page story, and they have a huge article going to the next page about it, This this wasn't an accident, sir. Uh, Anybody can say, oh, it just happened. You know, no, no. I've never seen, have you ever seen the media hype about this that we have now? Every day people talk about, I won't even turn on my TV anymore. I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. Because guess what? Not one of the guys on TV tells you what you can do. You've got a bunch of, listen to me now, you've got a bunch of government-paid health bureaucrats like Fauci and Burks. Fauci's never practiced medicine. He's got an M.D. beside his name for 52 years. He's worked for the government. He graduated in 66 from Cornell. In 68, he went to work for the NIH. That's all he's done all his life. I don't know if he's ever put a stethoscope on a person since he got, got into government health care. What does he know about how to get people healthy? Well, he sure does. Oh, we're going to get a vaccine, you know, 18 months from now. Well, we're all going to get vaccines. In fact, don't shake hands ever again. That's what Fauci said on the 8th. Don't ever shake hands ever again. Yeah. Really? What kind of goofball is this? Really? And he's running the country? Don't shake hands. Oh, and then he says we're going to have independent. So we're going to have certificates of immunity. Really? So we're going to test everybody's blood for the latest common, you know, infection and say, oh, JV, you don't have it yet. You're going to have to stay at home right now or get a shot. You yes. understand me? Oh, but you, you've, had a, you've got an antibody, too. We can't trust these antibody tests. We better give everybody flu shots. Why don't we mandate them? As a matter of fact, what did Bill Gates say on TV a week ago? Or he said, We can't stop the lockdown. Here, Bill Gates. Who the hell is Bill Gates? He's yeah. made a bunch of money, but what does he know about medicine? Right. So he goes, We can't we can't have we can't stop the lockdown until every person in the world is vaccinated. Really? I thought he wanted to depopulate the world. His whole goal is to depopulate the world, but he says the way we're gonna help depopulate it is through vaccination? Hmm I wonder what he means by that. Long and the short is, you're in charge of your health, JV. I'm in charge of my health, your listeners are in charge of their health, their doctors aren't in charge of their health, the government's not in charge of their health, the insurance is not in charge of their health, their spouse is not in charge of their health. They're in charge, you're in charge, I'm in charge of my own health. So you have a, you have a responsibility. If you want to be healthy, be healthy. That's your choice. Okay, i can make myself be healthy. Well, bull, what can you do? Eat healthy, okay? Don't gain too much weight. Keep an ideal body weight. How do you do that? Eat healthy. You don't eat a bunch of crap, okay? You don't pour Coke's down your system. You don't eat cookies and cakeys and donuts all day long and gain 100 pounds and got diabetes and bring all this stuff on yourself. And then say, well, I want everybody to quit so I don't get the virus because I haven't kept myself healthy and I might get it. Why am I responsible for you if you don't want to take care of your health? Help me understand that. Why am I responsible yeah. for you? You're responsible for your health. So what you need to do is eat healthy. Eat green vegetables. Eat green salads. I just got through having uh, my salad was uh, broccoli, spinach, uh, pecans, olive oil, balsamic vinegar. I had a, I had a small steak, three or four ounce steak, and I had uh, broccoli and spinach on it. I had some uh, I had some shrimp uh, a shrimp dip, and that's what I had. That's what I had for dinner tonight. A glass of iced tea, and one one small slice of bread. Wow. That's what I had. Wow. And I'm at a perfect body weight right now. I'm 69 years old. But the other thing you've got to do is you've got to stimulate your immune system and strengthen it, JV. How do you do that? Take vitamins for crying out loud. When was the last time you heard a doctor on TV, Fauci or any of these others say, you can strengthen your immune system, eat healthy, nutritiously? Let me tell you how. Let me tell you what vitamins you need to take vitamin A, B, C, D, and Z. What does that mean? Vitamins A, B-complex, C, vitamin C, vitamin D, D3 is the best, and take zinc. Guess what? I had a buddy call me up about last week. He goes, oh, the president's been saying what you said. You said to take zinc, and he said on the TV that we need to take zinc. I said I sent him a letter. Maybe he read it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know. And then take probiotics. Do that. Don't just do it when the flu season comes. Do it day in and day out. And if you start getting sick, I recommend to my patients. I used to be conventional. I trained here at the University of Texas in Houston, very conventional. My dad told me when I graduated, son, don't poison your patients like all the other doctors do. He planted the seed that 13 years from 76 to 89, I finally said, I'm going into natural approaches to health. I'm going to help people get well and stay the heck out of hospitals and stay away from doctors offices and stay off pharmaceutical drugs. That's how I build my practice. That's how you know we have we have uh we've had up to a hundred on staff in our various organizations and we do a cash based practice. We don't take insurance. I mean people come in because they've already gone that route and they want to get well and say, Doc, I hear you on the radio, by the way I had a radio program every day for fifteen years in Houston. That's why Hey J- Jv, you remember the first day you were on the radio?
0: I absolutely remember that first day.
2: I was. I remember my first day, two thousand and one. What did they, what training did they give you the first day you came on the radio? What? How much training did you go through?
0: My training consists of several months of uh, doing. Um, it was called automation attendance. Uh, Saturday nights and Friday nights while all my friends were out, I was uh, running real to real tapes and sitting in the studio pretending I was a DJ trying to figure out how to make it work, and then they just threw me on the air.
2: Okay, so you you they gave you that training. I went to my first day on the radio, and uh, Mike Richards, who was a state senator at the time, I'm part of the station, I said, well, Mike, what do I need to do? I'm showing up for my show. He goes, Hosey, put on the headgear and start talking. <laughs> <laughs> and it and I, la- I had I ran for 15 years. We finally got out of it, as you probably know. Radio has declined in a lot of ways yeah, in the yeah. listening audience, and uh, because of you know the podcasts and all that stuff, which you do now. Yeah, I do too.
0: Yeah, exactly. But you know, I, I have to back way up here because I'm so glad you said what you said, and I think you're spot on with sure, your I'm, analogy. You know why I, I know it's... I'm
2: spot on. Listen to this. You know how I know I'm absolutely right? People go, "How do you know you're so right?" Because my mother told me you know what she told me when I was a young boy? What she, she said. said, Son, don't follow the herd. It stampedes and it'll run off a cliff or it'll stampede over you and kill you. Get out of the way of the herd. Go the other direction. Lead the other direction. Then you'll be safe. And so when this came on on the coronavirus, the first thing my mother's voice came to me like and she's yeah. ninety two now and you know. Wow. And, got dementia but her words and i've always been contra i've always been against the status quo against conventional wisdom because it's usually wrong it's always you know don't you know (laughs) vitamins we're still fighting with the conventional doctors about whether vitamins are any good or not hello we yeah. didn't. I didn't learn one thing in medical school about vitamins or nutrition. They'd is rather. That pathetic they'd, or what?
0: they'd rather talk about prescription medications.
2: Hello, that's where the money is, sir. Follow the money. This yeah. whole thing is about control, power, and money.
0: Let's. I just want to. Ba- I just want to back you up about a couple things because I know that there's a lot of people, there are many people in my audience, and I see a lot of it going through our chat room right now, and there's a a collective amen to what you're saying here, because a lot of people believe what you're saying. They know
2: it in their heart. I mean, in their head, they go like, he's saying something common sense, but (laughs) they listen to all these guys on TV, and they think, well, surely they, I mean, I don't think they're right, but they must be, because they've got all these degrees behind their name. That's crap. Look, you have got more. Use your common sense, folks. God has not given us. I'm a Christian, okay. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Think soundly. Think logically. Think with common sense. Get the facts. All I did was pull out the facts. Start looking at the numbers. Their numbers have never added up ever. They don't. I'm talking about yeah. you know the the government paid bureaucrats. They've never their numbers don't add up. And God, I, God help the poor president. And he's going in the right direction. He calls National Day of Prayer. He has a he has a message for Easter. Thank him for that. He's a he, you know he said we need to trust God first and foremost. That's it. And then you've got to take care of yourself. Okay, you can say well I trust God, but I, you can't live like hell. I mean you got to. I mean you can't just gain a hundred pounds of weight, drink yourself drunk every night, and expect to be in good health. You've got to take care of yourself. Exercise. Sleep well. Take your vitamins and minerals and eat healthy. Four simple things: eat healthy, A, B, C, D, and Z. Sleep well. Exercise. I, I carry my clubs right now. They got the club. I mean, they won't let us use carts at the club. At least we get to play in Texas. Okay, <laughs> in some places you can't play. But, right. But so we're walking. And I'm carrying my own bag. I'm 69. And carrying my own bag every day. <laughs> Good for you. Oh boy, so, I'm so, sore in the morning. I, I have
0: to. I have to do. I have to ask this though, um, because well, I, I I completely believe what you're saying is the is the more accurate portrayal of what's actually happening around us. There are statements that make it through the media clutter that makes you make you scratch your head a little bit, and things like um, uh, physical, uh, medical personnel in New York City saying we'll never be the same, we'll never return to normal, and I'm not talking about our economy and I'm not talking about our society. I'm talking about these medical professionals that are dealing with this at the hospital. What are they dealing with that makes them say things like that? Or is that just more media hype being thrown at us? Well,
2: first I think it's media hype because I've seen Todd Stearns walk around the Brooklyn hospital the Brooklyn Hospital in Brooklyn. This Todd Surgeon, you may mayor man, I know of him. But Todd Surgeon's got an online radio program. He's got his video camera. There's the line where people are supposed to line up to get the coronavirus testing. There's not a soul in line. Nobody's sitting at the desk. The hospital, nobody. There's no no ambulances there. Nobody's walking around in the front or the back of the emergency room, and nobody's in the emergency room. What's going on? He goes, I'm not saying this virus isn't real, but. I'm just saying, I'm here right now, and this is what I'm looking at. Now, this was about five days ago, and I'm going like, that's. Wow. So I called the hospital in Houston. Now, we're in, now. by the way, we hadn't had any. I mean, 11,000 in Texas, uh, presumptively. And I, in Harris County, which is where Houston sits, four and a half million people. I think we've had 20 deaths. But they've shut down everything, okay? Or most everything, except certain essential businesses. They picked them. So I called the hospital up. I called up Methodist down in the medical center. I said, what if I said, you know, this is Dr. Hoetze, you know, I'd like to maybe send a, if I send a patient in there to get checked, they got a little cough, congestion, they might want to get checked for coronavirus. Will, will y'all be able to do it? Oh, yeah, we could, we could do it. Well, I'm sure you got a huge weight. You got two or three hours. I bet you're packed, the emergency room is packed. Oh, no, 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 not at all. How long would it take him to get in and, you know, I mean, a couple of hours? What, no. Oh, we get him in about 30 seconds. That's oh, what they wow. said, 30 wow. seconds. <laughs> I called another E.R., and they go, well, we don't test at the E.R. They have to be admitted before we test them for coronavirus. I mean, there's no urgency here at all in in Houston. I'm just telling you, the Houston situation is, and they've tried to shut down our state, and, you know, it's, okay, here's the other thing. Let's talk about the adverse effect of shutting down every business, trying to protect a few. We're going to kill everybody else. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to kill their lives I mean, they're not going to die, but we're going to destroy their income, we're going to destroy their businesses, we're going to destroy their families and their livelihood and their lives. They're just not going to have... How are they going to put it back together when you've lost your job? Now, as of last week, 17,000, 17 million had lost their jobs or unemployment. They're predicting 47 million. Wow. 32%. Now, this is not me. Just look it up. Uh... The president of the St. Louis Fed Reserve, uh, his name is Hubbard. He said we expect forty-seven percent, forty-seven million to be unemployed and thirty-two percent unemployment. Now that's social upheaval, friend. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like that since the Great Depression. That could be worse than the Great Depression. That's terrible. So how are these businesses look? You know, the average restauranteur, I'm sure you go to various restaurants, all different kinds of restaurants. The average restaurateur, the owner of a restaurant, you know how many days of capital he has saved up to cover him in case something happens? I know On an it, average, this I, is nationwide.
0: I know it's not much. What, a couple of weeks? Two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> a couple weeks is my they're guess. Done. Yeah. They're done.
2: I mean, here's where they make their livelihood, and now they're done. And how are they going to get it back? How are they yeah, going to get no, business back after no everybody's... Movie. Created a bunch of germaphobes out there that don't want to go around
0: yeah. people, you know. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we're going to run out of time. I can already tell that my producer should have booked you for both of our segments because we've got a lot to talk about. But sadly, we don't have that much time. I have a, just a quick question: When did Bill Gates become an expert on uh, on contagions, sir?
2: He's been he been <laughs> pouring money into vaccines, and I, sir, it's weird. All you have to do is go listen to his TED talks. Just Google Bill Gates and you start listening to him, and sir, there's something that's just not, in my opinion, yeah. not right about this whole thing. What's going on?
0: Yeah, something strange. And then if you say something, I mean, the president has been saying things like, you know, we need to get this restarted. Uh, he's 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 accused of wanting to kill people. Uh, it's just it's insane.
2: People are di- two point eight million people die every year. People are dying every day. Oh, if you want to stop death, why don't we just not? Driving a car anymore, you keep two point five million people from being injured, and you'd save thirty seven thousand lives. And we go back walking, or riding a bike, or maybe taking a horse. Who knows? That's just, it's ridiculous the idea that it's it's called. You've got to have a risk cost benefit. What's the risk? What's the cost of preventing the risk? What's the benefit? Well, if you're going to save a few, and all you have to do this is real simple: se- sequester. Sequester people with pre-existing conditions and the elderly that are infirmed and that are debilitated. Sequester them. That's fine. The rest of us go out and create herd immunity. Get exposed to the virus. Get this thing over with. Just like we do all the other diseases we've been in contact with since the day we were born. I don't know how old you are, JV, 35, 45, or whatever, but you're alive. But you've been exposed to a trillion viruses and bacteria every day. How are you alive? Because God gave you an immune system, <laughs> and if you're halfway healthy, your immune system kills this stuff off before it gets to you. I'm 69. I hadn't been sick since 1998. I had a flu bug. I think it was a flu bug. I don't know. It was I had a fever for a day and a half and chills. That was it. That's the last time I can remember being sick. Wow. So I mean, so the key thing is sequester those people make it a rifle shot pro- rather than a shotgun, and let everybody else go back to work and just get exposed and build a herd immunity. That will protect all these old people. Otherwise, if we don't do this, we're going to have a prolonged problem because, that, trust me on that, that virus is out there, and it's going to find everybody sooner or later. Are we going to drag this on for another year? And Then what happens if another virus comes? Are we going to shut down everything again? Learn to live with it, gas. Put on your pants. Exercise. Sleep well. Eat well. Take your vitamins, be healthy and just take take what comes. Ninety ninety nine percent of the people don't die that get it don't die of it and only one in a thousand even get it in America. So of that of the, of the one in a thousand that get it, only one in a hundred would die of it, and those the average age is somewhere around 80 years old. So why, why would you be scared about it or anybody else? So I get a coronavirus. So he got the flu. How many times have you ever had the flu? Somebody said, yeah, J.B. had the flu. He's not going to be in this week. Did you quarantine? Did they quarantine? <laughs> no. <laughs> of not, no. It <laughs> went on life. Life went on. Get a life, everybody. Everybody ought to go, go look at one thing, and that's George Carlin germs. YouTube, George Carlin, germs. When you see that, we ought to raise money and put that on national TV and say that's the end of the story.
0: You, um, there's, there, there's, there's another phenomenon that's that's taking place here that may be even far scarier than anything we've talked about so far. And this is this, what it seems to be, be almost shooting from the hip effort to restrict constitutionally granted freedoms. This is is scary
2: stuff. As a Christian, they said we can't go to church. In Texas, they said you can't do it unless you do it online or less than 10 people. I looked at the Constitution, and only 10 people can meet together, okay? And in some states, you can't even have a gun shop. That's Second Amendment rights. Well, I read the Constitution. and It said, you know, we have the right, the freedom from and the freedom to express our religious beliefs. We have the freedom to do that. It didn't say if you're not sick. It didn't say if you don't have strep throat or, you know, you're not overweight. It just said you have the right to free worship, okay? And secondly, it says you also have the right to peaceably assemble. That means I could get together with 100 guys if I went to or gals and have a party. But now they're saying you can't. They don't have, In Texas, they don't have the authority to do that, but they've taken the authority. That's why I have filed a lawsuit against a county judge here in Harris County, a 27-year-old young girl who'd never been... Never had a job before. Got her name thrown on the ballot, and won in a fluke. And so she's the county judge, which is the administrator of the county with four county commissioners working with her. She just arbitrarily said she banned church services. Period. And uh, the governor said, "Well, we're going to call them essential services, but they can't meet together." So I've got a lawsuit filed against the against the county judge, who's a socialist by 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 just. She claims to be a socialist Democrat. Our governor's a Republican. Well, he's got a bad law, too. And our state constitution says nobody can suspend the laws except the Texas legislature, where they're acting like they're their own little dictators, telling what stores can be opened, choosing between one store and another. Why should one store be open and not another store be open? You know, I drove by some record shop, or tonight I drove by some shop and it was closed down. I thought those people are closed because they're not essential. But. Down the road, maybe a uh, pharmacy is open because it's essential. Who's to say your work is not essential? Yeah, you don't have a choice. I mean, America, we have the freedom to work, and they're going to tell me I can't work. Really?
0: Well, why I, not?
2: They're, they're, that's just wrong. That just violates the constitution. So I'm suing. I'm suing this. I'm suing the governor. I'm suing the the uh, uh, the county judge, and I'm probably one of the few people in the country that's got the choose to go do that. And I'm look. And I know you're not a political station. Not only am I a doctor, I happen to be uh, president of conservative Republicans of Texas, okay? So I've been active for 40 years. I know all these guys up there. And and there, nobody wants to follow the Constitution. Let everybody get – here's what I say. Let everybody I – I'm mean, in fact, I cut a TV ad today. Texans, get back to work, get back to school, and get back to church, period. End of story. That's yep. what I'm saying and I, and I'm saying if I'm the only guy standing, I'm the only guy standing, but I'm tired of this. Yeah. If we don't turn this around, it's going to this will happen over and over again and then when the the people that love this, love the power, the power that they have that they've exerted in the authority unconstitutionally on our lives, sir, this is supposed to be a free country with civil liberties and they have just you know, I read somewhere down in down in uh in down in southern Texas, the county judge said only two people can ride in a car. Two people, that's it. If there <laughs> are more than two people, they have to wear masks. They're going to get penalized. penalized. Well, you can't call a penalty unless the Texas legislature writes it into the criminal code. But they're just—I mean, these people, little—it's kind of, arbitrarily pot dictators all over. All these county judges are making all these rules, and you know arresting people it's just you go like really if you like this you'll love uh america when it's it's a communist dictatorship. Now, th-
0: th- this stuff is really when you stop and think about what's really happening i mean you have to you have to pull the veil of this health scare away from your eyes you've got to pull that away right. from your eyes so you can see clearly again and when you right. start to recognize how easily uh, some of these politicians are just randomly and arbitrarily making laws and penalties yep. against basic constitutionally guaranteed freedoms. Now, right? now yeah. a friend of mine uh, posted on a social media platform, he, something along the, the lines, let me get this straight. If I get in my car and drive to the liquor store, I'm okay. But if I get in my car and go to a church service, I'm going to get a ticket. <laughs> what is wrong? There's something no. very, very wrong here.
2: Well, you know, here, here this is This is funny. Okay, the, so in, in Texas or in Harris County, they granted uh, um, sp- the enterprise. Uh, it was a favorable enterprise to have a liquor store. They let the liquor store stay open. Okay, and so they were asked a question by the press: well, Why did you leave the liquor stores open? Okay, and, and the health department said, Well, there are a whole lot of people out there that drink a lot of liquor, and if we take them off their liquor, they're going to have withdrawals, and they're going to end up going to the hospital and filling it up. And we won't have room for our coronavirus patients. <laughs> Man, okay, geez. let everybody. Get... So I, I'm not saying we should go back to prohibition, but I thought. No, you know that's, we've got that... we've got all these people out of Houston. We got so many people that if we stopped alcohol, they'd all be sick.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and, and obviously that's a, a bit tongue in cheek there, but the the point is that uh, you know you've got these people making arbit- arbitrary decisions that don't have the authority or the right. Uh, the right. To make those decisions. Right. And, you know, we have the First Amendment is often referred to when it comes to free speech. And obviously, that's very, very important. But it right. also gives us the freedom of religion and the freedom of assembly. And there's, and there's, these are things that are not to be, um, uh, oh, you, know, just mess, you don't anybody. mess around
2: with this. You know, you set a bad precedent when you do that because somebody's going to be in parent. What happened if some other, whatever, you know, whatever thing they they want to say, well, we have a national health problem on a mental health problem, and anybody that says certain things that makes people feel bad about themselves, well, you can't go to church anymore because the churches have certain standards that society doesn't have and so we're going to just shut down the churches because you're creating mental health problems, and it's a mental health emergency. You follow me? I mean, they can make up up on anything. Yeah, once Once you've crossed you the authority to do that, and and the thing that that really, as a Christian, here's what's really concerned me. I can see now how in Germany, the Christian church in Germany rolled over on Hitler and raised their hands up, and they never challenged him. They never did, because once you give in... And say, Okay, you can take a step here, it's a slippery slope, then they got you and how do you go back and regain all your rights? how do you get your rights back? Yeah. Once well, they once they're used to taking away your rights. So what we're basically saying is that most people I know your audience isn't because they're listening to you, but most people out there are sheeple. And uh, and they're gonna be led around by whatever they hear on the news media, on the on the fake news media, they're gonna believe it and, and they're gonna get petrified and they're gonna have mass hysteria and irrational fear and panic and you know, walk around with gowns on and masks all over their face and just
0: well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I mean, I have been engaged in a lot of debates about issues over the last decade or so that uh, I claim may be unconstitutional and others will claim, no, they're, they're constitutional. And these are things like Obamacare and other, other types right. of, of legislation that there is there is some gray area. I will admit that. And and a debate can be had. But when it comes to what's happening around us right now, there's no debate. There is no uh, uncertainty here. These are clearly unconstitutional acts. And and the question is what authority do these people have whether it's a mayor whether it's a governor or maybe whether it's the president what authority right. are they acting on and if 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 that authority does exist does that mean that they can pull that authority out anytime like you said they de- they decide there's some type of emergency that has to be dealt with and then start restricting more than just the freedoms that we're already seeing restricted
2: right you're exactly you've got it you understand what the what the uh real pr- underlying problem here is that people need to be looking at forget forget this this false epidemic that they've created it's not a true epidemic, friends because it pales in significance to all the other up- did you know like every year two million people die of tuberculosis every year in the world wow. eight hundred thousand children five years and younger uh, younger die of diarrhea. Every year in the world, figure how many that is a day. That's a big problem. That's we're talking uh, malaria. Two hundred million people get malaria every year. A half a million people die. These are big. I mean, these are big time problems we've got. And guess what? We're gonna shut down all of the world and shut down America, the economy that drives the world, that enables us to have money that can address these other problems, we're gonna shut it down and kill it.
0: What would have happened what would have happened if and I don't think we should be sending, spending two trillion dollars on anything right now, but what would have right. happened if we had taken that two trillion dollars yeah. and put it into the fight against cancer? Or Hello. or put it into you know Hello. there's plenty Hello. of money there. It could have been spread Hello. between cancer and exactly. diabetes and everything else. What would that have done?
2: Yeah, or against heart disease. How could we say, but well, right. what if we had a big campaign on how to eat healthy and take your vitamins to prevent heart disease and exercise exactly. and these things and really promoted that? We wouldn't have to spend a fraction of that to make a big dent in, in health, in people's longevity in life, in in, in, in mortality. It would have been it'd been tremendous. But we're going to spend all this money. We're, this isn't the end of it. Two trillion is just the beginning of it. Once they start spending money, you know, they're talking another four they're talking another $4 trillion. And, you know, you know. here I started thinking, you know, Bernie Sanders' idea was everybody can get something free. We've got a free lunch. We've got free, you know, school. We've got free this, free everything. We're going to make everything free. And and how are we going to do it? We're going to give everybody money. Okay, that's great. So, J V, <laughs> instead of going to work, you just get a check in the mail for yeah. what you made. And I get a check, and everybody gets money. Well, and we you. got all this money. What do we spend it on? Well, there's nobody producing anything. There are no services, because why do I need to work? I'm getting all this money. So the money's worthless, because it can't buy anything. People have got to work to produce an I- to produce a value, and then they get paid money for the value they produce. You can't just create money out of thin air and say, it's got value. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to be—I don't know what's going to happen with all this.
0: Oh, I know i know
2: all this that's going on i have no idea so I, it, 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 economically it could be you know i'm thinking three or four years down the road we're gonna have hyperinflation what's going to happen i don't know
0: yeah so it's, it's- i think the worst is yet to come um i have i have one more question we have to answer quickly then i'm gonna have to let you go sadly but um our chat room a couple folks have have mentioned you know as we talk about this they they keep pointing out but but when we talk about these comparative diseases. They're saying that the people aren't dying all at once overwhelming the healthcare system, which is They're what's not happening. Doing that now. That's look, what now. They that's had what a hospital
2: does. in Seattle. The Army put put up look online. Army put up a hospital in Seattle nine days ago. They pulled it down. They had nine thousand beds. Nobody showed up. This is ridiculous. They're not over flooding the hospitals by any means, shape, or form. That's not happening. We've had 64,000 people die of, of the flu so far this year, according to CDC. We haven't overwhelmed the hospitals. That's just a red herring they're throwing out there. That's just bull. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about, but sadly, we don't have a whole lot of. Uh, well, JV, let in. me
2: tell you one last thing. Yeah, if was... anybody in your audience wants to get their health well, uh, get healthy and well, they can get a copy of one of my books, Hormones, Health, and Happiness, and I'm going to give you a phone number. They can call, put it up on your line. I will give it to them free, and I'll and I'll send it to them free. It's a hard copy, Hormones, Health, and Happiness. It's my opus work. I've written four books, but Hormones, Health, and Happiness, and then I've also got one called Dual 180 and Take Charge of Your Health, which would be very good too. I'll send them that one as well, free of charge, no shipping. I just send it to them. And the other thing, if they're interested in vitamins, then go to com H-O-T-Z-E-Vitamins.com. H-O-T-Z-E, vitamins.com. On the front page is my uh, Dr. Hotze's Immune Pack. Somebody said, well, you're making money off this. Sir, that's what entrepreneurs do. When people have problems, we try to supply and solve the problems. you got a bad immune system, I'm going to help you pump it up. I'm going to give you vitamins. I'm going to sell them to you, okay? And then you're going to pay me money, and I'm going to be able to sell more vitamins so we get people healthy. you got a health problem, I'm going to help you. You're going to pay me for it gladly when you get healthy. That's what. That's the way. This. That's the way the free enterprise system works. So, that's what we're doing.
0: All right. Um, give out the websites one more time before I let you go.
2: Okay. HOTZEvitamins.com, or you can go to Hotze dot com. That's Hotze Health and Wellness Center. Just Google Hotze H O T Z E Health and Wellness Center, or call six nine. I'm sorry. Two eight one six nine eight eight six nine eight eight six nine two eight one six nine eight eight six nine eight and Say, I heard Dr. Hotsey on JV's show tonight or last night. He said he'd send me a book. And, and they'll take your name down and send you a book.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, JB,
2: it's great to be with you, buddy. <laughs> keep me posted on how you're doing. If you want me to come back later, I'll be glad to.
0: Yeah, I'd love to have you back on the show. Once again, Dr. Stephen Hoetze. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Doc, Mr. Dad, I keep saying Dr. Dad, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott will be with us. What do you do with the kids now that they're not going to be going back to school? That's the case in a lot of parts of the country. It's beyond reality. We'll be right back. Looking for our guest's book? Go to Amazon.com slash shop slash taps. Mr. Dad, Armin brought. He has a website. It's MrDad.com. He's written several books, including The Expectant Father, The New Father, A Dad's Guide to the First Year, The New Father, A Dad's Guide to the Toddler Years, and many, many others. He's was hailed by Time Magazine as the Super Dad's Super Dad, and he's a pioneer in the field of fatherhood. And has been building better fathers for more than a decade. Welcome to the program, Armin. It's great to have you on the show.
1: It's nice. To- much for
0: having so we have uh what i guess i would consider to be um unprecedented times we're facing uh we're seeing things happen that we probably never thought we would see in our lifetimes whether you agree with those that those things should be happening or not they are in fact happening one of those things is that kids are uh being uh, sent home from school or have already been sent home from school and in many cases are being told not to come back for the rest of the year things are changing how do dads deal with this
1: well, that's exactly right. I mean, this is something nobody ever planned for, and I've got a 16-year-old in the house here who was, I think, hoping to be back in school. I was hoping she'd be back in school, but it's uh, it's not. It's not happened. They're gonna they're gonna be gone. I I think one of the the, the the most important things I think we need to remember is, as dads, as moms, as anybody, that we do not need to entertain our kids all the time. Uh, that is something that I think so many of us fall into the trap of feeling that, well, the kids are home and we'd want them to be learning something, so we've got to we've got to play games together, we've got to do this together, we've got to get them out to exercise, and we we drastically underestimate the importance of downtime and letting the kids have, regardless of how old they are, letting the kids have time to go off and do stuff on their own. They need to be able to entertain themselves uh, just as well as uh, as anything else.
0: You know, that is a great point, and I've often said, um, you know, kids don't have to be handheld all of the time. They don't have to have structured activity all of the time. They don't have to have a parent uh, hovering over them all of the time. In fact, uh, having a little independence is probably not a bad thing uh, Almost at almost every age, right?
1: At every age, yeah. I mean, it's not only just a question of not being a bad thing. It's a really good thing that we need kids to be able to deal with their own stuff. We, they, they need time to think. They need time to process things. They need time to to pro, to educate themselves, to learn about things. And the way that they're going to do that is to, by by being on their own. I mean, being on their own, they could also be, be Zooming somebody or FaceTiming their friends or whatever. But, but we do not have to be involved in guiding them every step of the way. Kids will learn a tremendous amount of what they learn about the world and what works and what doesn't work by getting out there and making mistakes. And if we're there to, to protect them in every opportunity and not let them fail, and we're there to guide every single action so that they make the right move at the right time, they're never going to learn how to be functional adults when they get when it's their turn to become functional
0: adults. Very important. Let's talk about what we're facing today, which, again, as I mentioned, is unprecedented. At least I think it is. Do you know of another circumstance where uh, so much of the country has had schools closed, daycare centers closed, kids sent home, and the parents, whether they have, you know, some parents still have to go to work, some parents are working from home, are all of a sudden faced with a lifestyle change that uh, they didn't have time to plan for.
1: No, I think what's really remarkably different about this particular thing is that it's not just one isolated area, and it didn't just take place on one day. I mean, if you think 9-11 was was the most recent major disruption that all of us had in our lives, it happened on one day, it was over, the actual event was over, and then it was a question of of people mopping up for a long time. And it affected people in in various parts of the country to greater or lesser degrees. If you didn't travel anywhere, your school wasn't going to be shut down, or maybe it would shut down for a day just in... in, uh, in sympathy for the, the people who who died in 9-11, and that's, that was a perfectly appropriate thing. But it, what's going on now is it's not just the country, and it's not just every every state. It's every person in this country is being affected, and for the most part, it's every person in the world who's being affected. I mean, this is, this is I think, people have used the analogy of uh, nuclear fallout. It's bigger than that. It's like every city got hit with a nuclear bomb as far as what we have to do, sheltering in place, but on the other hand, went, I'm living in California, and so we're constantly having to prepare for wildfires or, or earthquakes, and we have we have uh, kits in our houses of, of material that we need to, to survive a couple of days, a week maybe. But we have electricity, and we have water, and we can get in our cars and drive to the grocery store. And for the most part now, at least, the, the grocery store shelves are full of stuff. So it's it's a very bizarre time that we're confined, for the most part, away from other people, but we have everything we need to function.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I was trying to, in my mind, determine what might have been the closest thing to this that we've uh, seen in in modern history, and I would have to think that maybe a wartime footing might be similar, but it's still just not quite the same.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's especially not the same for Americans, because we've been so lucky to not have a war on our territory. Um, I think if we were talking in living in Europe and Germany and France, it would be a different thing because people really did have have a much different connotation of what war is or the wars that we fought in have been fought elsewhere.
0: Good point. Um, teaching. You know, we all uh, have gotten used to a system whereby we send some tax dollars into the government and they have a big school, a lot of uh, trained people that can uh, teach your kids various topics. And all of a sudden those teachers aren't taking the kids and we're expected in many cases, my kids are adults now, so I don't have to do this, fortunately. But uh, many parents are being expected to kind of um, help with some long-distance learning uh, projects, but also, in many cases, just homeschool. Are parents cut out for this?
1: Some parents are, and I think the majority are not. And I think parents probably, if they, they spend just a couple of minutes thinking it, they can determine for whether they are, are suited for it or not. And it's not really necessarily the parents' It's the the relationship between the parents and child. I think one of my kids uh, of the three, I certainly could have homeschooled because she was nice and sweet and compliant and she would do things. (laughs) And then I've had two, uh, the the remaining two, who would absolutely not. And everything would be a battle. And we could probably figure out a way to make it work, but we would also have to, to, to spend lots of time apart muttering about how evil we are. Or whatever it is, <laughs> you know. It's, uh, so I think I think yes is is the short answer to the question. Yes, we are expected to do that, and uh, some of us are are going to be okay with it, and some of us probably need to to connect with friends who are better at at uh, making relationships with kids. And it's not that we can't. It's not that we're bad parents. It's just that certain it's a combustible thing. It's like a chemistry
0: experiment. Yeah, yeah.
1: Certain chemicals will go together, and other ones will cause explosions.
0: Yeah, I you know, I know that firsthand, too. I've tried to teach my uh, kids. I pl- I'm a musician. I've tried to teach my kids how to play various instruments. And, and I am not a patient teacher, and especially when it comes to my own kids. I just did not have that in me. Um, they are far more successful when someone else is teaching them something.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And. F- One of the nice things about the the current situation is that so many people are getting used to using Skype or Zoom or some other kind of uh, video program, and I think that that what happens in, in homeschool situations now is it's not really that the parents are doing the homeschooling. I know a lot of homeschooling families where they have one parent happens to be really good at math, and that person is going to be connecting with a lot of the kids and doing math. Or somebody else, when there's times to, when they were able to do this, take the kids out on a field trip. So you have the better prepared person focusing on that and focusing on teaching other a number of kids at the same time. So I think that's that's probably going to happen. We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. It's going to take a little while. Uh, just as the schools have figured it out, I mean, they just, just California just decided just within the past couple of days that the schools are definitely going to be closed through the end of the year. So instead of just having the teachers post assignments and projects online, now they're actually having classes. So my daughter actually has got classes from eight in the morning until three in the afternoon.
0: So she she's actually got classes where she sits in front of a computer or tablet or something and and participates through the through the device. Absolutely
1: see all of her students on there and they've got uh, 20 or 30 sometimes more than that kids on the screen at the same time and it's it's a little bit of a of a mess but the teacher at least has face some sort of face-to-face contact and they can have more of a classroom experience
0: um what do parents who still have to get up and go to work do especially if they've got kids that can't be home by themselves
1: have to get up and go to work outside the
0: home. Mean, yeah, or, I mean, they're, they're, or even, even sitting in the home. Yeah, but let's let's talk about both. First, there are there are people that are still getting in a car and going off to work, and I guess they would be considered essential workers, uh, and yeah. they 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 have to deal with this very real problem. And then there are parents that actually have to sit at a desk or whatever it happens to be and do their work from home which i'll tell you can be very 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 difficult at times so let's talk about the guy and or gal that has to get in a car and go off uh, how do they deal with their with their children especially if they need some type of supervision
1: well i think that the workplaces and the the city and county governments are going to have to be more relaxed about this they're they're going to have to allow for a another care person to come in i mean if you're if you're declaring somebody to be an essential worker whether that's a a first responder type of person or even somebody who works in a grocery store. Those people are, are sacrificing a lot to go That's and right. work in a grocery store. I mean, I have a tremendous amount of respect for them. And But, but you can't expect them to leave their kids at home. So we're going to have to say, all right, somebody who has had coronavirus and has tested negative, okay, or somebody who's been under quarantine by themselves for a long time, something that actually gives us a way of, of vetting them to make sure that they're okay, but also allows parents to be able to have uh, have opportunities to, to go out and do what they
0: need to do. And then you've got parents that uh, have to sit at a desk and try to get something done. And, of course, when a parent is home, especially for smaller children, you know, Mommy, I need this. Daddy, I need this. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to whatever. I want to play with this toy. It's it's nonstop. <laughs> How do you manage that?
1: Yeah, that that's one of the things that when I first started off working for myself, I was working at home. And I think I had this fantasy that I would be able to just plop the kid in the a, in a playpen or give them a puzzle to work on or something like that and I'd be able to do my work. No problem at all. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't work out very well. And I think anybody who is goes into the idea of working at home that they're going to be able to get a lot done when they've got their little kids around is, is making a mistake. And so it really it really comes down to Trying to work at times when the kids are sleeping. If you are are able to work from uh, from nine to midnight or something like that after the kids have gone to bed, that's going to be part of it. But also, it's going to be doing something that I think a lot of us don't want to do, which is letting our kids get a little bit more involved with technology than we would like them to be. Yeah, and I know that that's a big deal. Parents are constantly talking about that how kids are spending too much time on their phone, and they are and our kids are spending too much time on the computer and they don't know how to interact with people and that's probably true to a great extent but everybody's got to eat and there are certain sacrifices i mean it gets back to your point from the very top of the show of of this is something that is completely unprecedented and the the other part of that is it's not going to last forever we will be hopefully back to
0: venture down this this uh, new reality at least in the short term Um, you know you've got parents who uh, who looked forward to their daily break and that daily break may be going to work for eight hours and could just focusing on what they have to do and not have to be a parent for a while and then you've got older kids who look at the same situation and would like to go to school so they don't have to be parented for a part of their day. Now you've got everybody staying home together. How does this affect the family unit? How does this affect moms and dads, and how does it affect kids, both on a positive side and a negative side?
1: Well, it's putting us all in situations that we aren't prepared for and that we don't like. And we're having to learn, I think, new ways of dealing with conflict, new ways of getting to know the people that we live with, and new ways of being flexible. And I, I think that's one of the most important things that's going to come out of this, is, is we're spending so much time with with our family that we're going to get to know them and we're going to get to know stuff about them that we probably don't like, and we're going to have to learn how to deal with that because nobody's going anywhere. It's just it's one of those things that there there is no choice. You have to figure out a way to deal with the situation. I'm, I'm hoping that some of the flexible thinking skills that we're going to be developing here in, in terms of how do you deal with conflict, in terms of how do you deal with con- conflicting views, with with conflicting schedules, with people who just don't want to be with each other, with people who are are absolutely miserable that they can't see their friends or that they they don't have the money coming in, uh, it, it's it's really gonna it's gonna make us better people. I think uh, that's one of the, the the silver linings that will
0: come out of this. A lot of teenagers can get awfully ornery when they can't go out you know, hang out at my, well, when my day it was go to the mall, I don't know what they do now, Uh, or they can't be with their friends, or they can't, you know, spend a Friday night out with their friends. How do you deal with that stress? Because those teenagers tend to be pretty stressful already.
1: Yeah, they already are. And I think it's, it's, again, important to remember that they've got a device in their pocket that can resolve some of those issues. That one of my my 16-year-old's biggest complaints is she wants to spend time with her friends and she wants to go to work. She had a job at a at a coffee shop at a bookstore here, and she saw a lot of people, and she was able to schmooze and, and do all sorts of things, and she had some money coming in, and that's gone. It's all, I mean, it's just all gone. And But what she's doing is spending more time on Zoom chats or FaceTiming, and I think she's getting to know people better. That there, there's also dealing with people under, in, in more stressful situations, and... and in a way, it, it seems odd, but in a way, I think she's become more calm than she was before. That she, that there was an, initially a big pushback against all of this stuff, and she was going to go, and she was demanding that I let her out. And say, well, you know, this is this—it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You can yell at me all you want. Not going to happen. You're just going to have to figure it out. And over time, after the initial pushback and the anger and the and the screaming got dealt with. She's resigned herself, and she's figured out ways to, ways to make it happen. And she, is, she hasn't been complaining about lack of friends at all. And she's been telling me stories, in a way, more stories about what her friends are going through and, and what this friend said and that friend said than she has for a long time.
0: Let's put the education thing aside, the work thing aside, the stresses aside for a minute here. This is also a, an opportunity to become, as you said, better acquainted with our families, better acquainted with our kids uh, what are some of productive things that we can do uh, that will help us achieve that?
1: I'll tell you. I, for a long time, wrote a column called Parents at Play, and I was reviewing toys and games that families could do together. And it was really hard for me to get toys and games that were good for parents who, of teenagers in particular. Uh, it, it's not hard to find toys and games for at pretty much any other age. But I'll tell you, I've heard this from from other friends, and I know this in in my own family, that we've found games that we can do together because we're going crazy, (laughs) really. (laughs) And there's there's nothing else to do in some ways. But it, it also is, it's giving us a great opportunity to do things, I mean, we're doing puzzles,
0: that are struggling during this time. They've lost one, both, maybe all sources of income. And, you know, government help uh, doesn't seem to be arriving quickly. And it probably won't be enough when it does arrive to really maintain the quality of life that many of these families are used to. And as we know, the state of savings in the country is not particularly healthy. People uh, don't have enough to survive, in many cases, for even a month. So you've got families that are really worried about their children, yet... um, well, I guess I guess, in a general sense, what kind of advice would you give parents who have to deal with that kind of stress for their kids uh that they you know it may be tough in normal times, but this is downright scary
1: yeah i I got to tell you this is the the thing that worries me most of all is I think we are are drastically underestimating what's happening here because I think the first month or so I think we're just at the end of the first month of the the nationwide lockdowns and We've all made it through that pretty well, but there were enough people living on the edge before, and when those checks stop coming, and they have stopped coming for for a lot of people, it's going to be really difficult to to deal with. And I think that there are, are for those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to hang on for a little while longer, I think we need to be having discussions with our kids about people who can't and figuring out how we can help people who can't. I just have been having interesting discussions with all three of my kids, the adult ones as well, about about economics. Because I I moved from one part of the Bay Area to another part so that my 16 year old could go to a better school, and I rented out my my house in Oakland. And so the woman who's renting my house in Oakland, who's been a wonderful tenant, she just got furloughed, so she can't pay her rent. Well, that makes me, that means it's hard for me to pay my rent, plus I have a mortgage. So I've got to call up my bank and say, "Hey, can you guys hold off on the on the mortgage payments for a couple of months here while well, I do my tenant? Hopefully, gets back to work soon." Yeah. And 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 you can see how that how that works. And if that happens enough, and we, we actually you know, just going grocery shopping this afternoon. Wanted to to uh, it's her birthday tomorrow. She wanted to get some sushi at uh, her favorite restaurant, which is closed. And so we're talking about well, if they're closed, it's in a strip mall kind of a thing. So. Whoever owns that strip mall is not collecting rent from her, from that Japanese restaurant or any of the other places that are closed. So they may have problems. And it's interesting that we can see that, yes, poor people are being affected and certainly disproportionately, but it's also moving upstream as well. And wealthy people and institutions are going to have to deal with some serious issues. I mean, there are companies that are going out of business and have gone out of business already. Restaurants have already, many of them have gone of business. So it's, I think it's, it's making us much more aware of how economics work and the interrelationship between so many things.
0: Yeah, you know, we just had a a very sobering uh, wake-up call here in Cooperstown, New York, which is where I live and where I broadcast from. And uh, this little village of 1,000 people has the Baseball Hall of Fame in it, so it's always had some significant tourism traffic. But about 20 years ago, a facility came into town called the Dreams Park, and that uh, facility has like 96 baseball fields. They bring in 150 baseball teams every week throughout the summer. And those teams bring a couple of parents, some siblings, grandma and grandpa, they stay at hotels, they eat at all the restaurants, okay. So yeah. obviously you can you can understand how important that is to this community. Well, the restaurants and the uh hotels, you know, they're all uh right now uh I guess hoping for some help from the government. But when that stops, what won't stop is the fact that this Dreams Park facility just canceled their 2020 season. So there'll be no Dreams Park tourists for another, well, for for a year, it, it was it's it's what nine months, ten months, almost from the last season. Now it'll go another year and cycle another ten months. So it's nearly two years of no revenue for a lot wow. of these businesses. They can't survive that. They won't they will not be able to survive, and the government help won't 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 continue uh, that yeah. long. So uh, you know we're about to face a lot of our restaurants and facilities closing here in this little village, and those are the types of things that don't get put into a formula somewhere
1: injury to the whole thing is our taxes can, they must go up. I mean, there's no way that the government can afford to pay out all this money that it's paying out. It's going to have to get it somewhere, and the only place it's going to come from is us. So we're going to be dealing with it. We'll we'll all get, hopefully, back to work at some point, but we're not going to see as much money as we were seeing before.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's let's try to put some optimism into people's ears here. Uh, Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, but it's it's all real issues that are facing us. Uh, But but again, we're talking about the fact that this gives us an opportunity to reconnect with our kids and and really enjoy that time. Um, You know, what's what's the best we can hope for by building a better relationship with our kids? How does that affect the long term?
1: Oh, I think it affects the long term, and it affects the short term and the long term. It affects everything. Every opportunity you have to build a relationship with your child, to build a memory, something that is pleasant or even unpleasant that you were able to work through, I think makes your long-term relationship better, and it makes you awfully, you're able to maintain an adult relationship with your kids. Because at some point, we're going to go from being parents to being coaches and guides and, and cheerleaders and then when they move and they they get up that they're old enough to, to move away and become adults, uh you know, we want to have a, a a working relationship with them. And then when they have their own kids we want to be the grandparents who are proud and, and can play with our grandkids and we get invited over and we want to have good relationships. And that all starts now. And I think having having these this really difficult time that we're going through and that we're going through together Will help to keep those relationships strong, and it will give us something to look back on. If can you can you imagine kids now who are teenagers, and when they have their own kids, and their their own kids say, "I'm bored." <laughs> you know, you know nothing about boredom. Let me tell you about when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear "bored" come out of your mouth. It's uh, it's it's really, it's I think it's going to be it's going to really drastically change things.
0: Um, in the time we have left, I want to talk a little bit more about the, what you do during normal times, uh, what you're still doing now, but uh, um, and it, it kind of move the coronavirus discussion away for a moment. You, okay. you work with parents, you, particularly dads. Uh, your website is MrDad.com. Tell, tell me what that's about.
1: Well, it's really f- focusing on giving dads the kinds of resources and support that they need to be the fathers that they want to be kids need them to be and I think that
0: Uh, in in previous generations, um, you know, maybe I don't know how far back we have to go, um, but would go off to work. They'd come home. Mom would have me- dinner on the table in a lot of circumstances, and and the kids. Uh, in fact, I saw some video not long ago which showed kids how to treat dad when he got home, and it was a, almost a very standoffish approach uh, to a, f- a parent child relationship. Uh, I think things have changed for the better, but. When did that change start to happen, and how important is it that uh, a father not only uh, shows what we would consider to be traditional father values, but um, takes a bigger role in all of the values of teaching a kid?
1: Yeah, I think we have definitely slid away from the wait till your father comes home kind of Gender roles is that mom's going to be the one who's cooking and cleaning, and dad's going to be the disciplinarian and the breadwinner. If you look at, at surveys of what parents' roles are supposed to be, what men's and women's roles are supposed to be, even the enlightened millennials and Gen Z folks still look at the dad's primary role as being provider protector. But in addition to that, there are a lot of other expectations. We're supposed to, to coach the soccer team, and we're supposed to teach our kids music. As you might have done, or, you know, teaching my kids languages that I might have done, or uh, read the bedtime stories and know their shoe sizes and their friends' names and set up play dates. And, and the problem is, and this is something, that, getting back to your earlier question, that i tried to do with, with the books that I've written for dads, is to help dads figure that stuff out so that they can, they can do these things.
0: Uh, if you had to sum it up for somebody, how would you define a good good father?
1: question. I think a good father is somebody who is going to teach his kids to be decent human beings, the kinds of kids who will make good choices for themselves when I'm not around and will do the right thing even when it's not the easy thing and will be good to other people. I think if I could get to the point where I can look at my kids and say, you know, I have whether I participated in it 100% me or whether it's been some combination of me and their mother or whatever it is, but I can look at my kids and say, you know, they are good kids. They, they I mean, it goes beyond just they're not in jail, they're not pregnant kind of thing. I mean, that, that they really are able to step out there and become adults in the world and make good
0: choices. Tell me about the difference uh, that a dad has to accept, or a a role, a different role that a father has to take on if uh, if he's separated from the children's mother, and maybe they're both single parents.
1: Well, it's going to be probably for a lot of guys a lot more hands-on than it was before. That again, it's it's very easy. I think most people, even people who, who fancy themselves egalitarian. Tend to slip into more traditional roles where the dad is, is doing more dad things and the mom does more traditionally mom things. But when in cases of separation or divorce, uh, the dad's going to have to do everything. And the dad's going to have to learn how to make, uh, make food that doesn't necessarily come out of the microwave. And he's going to have to learn how to shop and meal plan. And I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that's sounding too stereotypical because there are plenty of guys who do that now. But it's something that becomes much more. Out there, and it also it involves building the kind of relationships with your kids that you can talk to them and that they can talk to you. That's one of the most important things. Is is we we somehow have this idea that dads are not uh, connecting emotionally with their kids or dads are not emotionally involved. Completely not true. We we I I, I, have, I talk about this all the time. That some of the most uh, intimate moments or emotional moments I had with another human being were with my father standing 30 yards apart throwing a baseball back and forth that that kind of moment is we're not saying anything but we're connecting on an emotional level so to say that i as a man don't have any emotions is is absurd and i think we need to be able to to do things like that with our kids whether it involves words or not but words are are especially important And, and Helping the kids through a divorce or a breakup is also not an easy thing, and it's important. To, and we learn more and more as we as our kids get older, but we we learn it very quickly. The importance of of putting others' needs in front of your own.
0: You know that reminds me of of uh, a show I went to see in New York City, uh, probably fifteen, maybe even almost twenty years ago now. It was called "Defending the Caveman," and I don't know if it, that's popular that anybody else would recognize that the that uh, show or not.
1: A one-man show as a comedian? Yes. Just uh, something gold, something.
0: Yeah, it was a one-man show, yes. And uh, the point of the show, uh, you know, it, it winds up in this scenario where there's an emotional event going on in a family and... The mom is in the house handling it one way, and the father's out building a swing set. And then he's asked, you know, why are you out there building a swing set? He said that because that's the way I know how to contribute. But the point was moms and dads show their, uh, their, um, their emotions differently and handle them differently and show their love differently. Do you think that's fair?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I know that it sounds horribly stereotypical, but it is absolutely true. I think dads tend to, if you probably think about this, you may find some it. Dads tend to, or men in general, I think, tend to express their love for people by doing things for them. And women, moms, tend to express their love for people by saying that they love them. And those are, are different things, and I don't think right. one is necessarily any better than the other. But that's, the, that's absolutely, I, I find myself doing this all the time. And it's one of the hardest things as your kids get older. Because you don't, your kids don't need you as much anymore, and your kids don't need you to do stuff for them anymore. And so I, I remember feeling very out of sorts and and almost useless as a as a man as a father when my kids wouldn't need me, and I was so delighted, in a twisted sort of way, when they called me up and they wanted me to help them with their taxes or something <laughs> like that. <you> know? right. <laughs> or they have a problem with the landlord; they needed to to, you know, to have me call up and and and. Uh, Lay down the law with somebody. Think, oh, great, they need me again, and, and then I can express my love for them. And so, it's yes, there, there absolutely there. There are differences, and again, I think it's it's short sighted of people to to somehow say that that one is better than the other. Uh, I think we need to, as as humans, we need to understand that we're, we may not get exactly the kind of love that we're expecting, but it may maybe it's the other way, other person's way of expressing it.
0: You have uh, many books on the topic, uh, books like The Expectant Father, The New Father, The Military Father. Um, I suppose your circumstances would determine which one is most appropriate, but do you have a book or two of yours that you recommend uh, a father start with?
1: Well, I think if you can catch him while while his wife is expecting or a partner is expecting, I think The Expectant Father is the place to go. Because I'm a firm believer, and the research backs me up on this, that the earlier you get involved the longer you'll be involved and the more involved you'll be so getting involved during the pregnancy it doesn't get any earlier than that really uh that is the place to start and then there's a book on uh uh, new father dad's guide to the first year takes you after the after the pregnancy once you've got baby in hand how to get through the first year goes through month by month and talks about ways to interact with your kids ways not to interact with your kids what you're going through. favorites though is the the military father it really there's a whole population of people that a lot of us don't think about these guys who get on a plane or a a ship and they go off for six months or a year and they come back and they're not the same people who left and the family's not the same family they left behind and figuring out how to maintain relationships before during and after those deployments is
0: really difficult yeah yeah, you think about uh you know something like World War II where so many fathers mostly uh did deploy for several years and they'd come, and in many cases they hadn't even met their children and they'd come home and they were toddlers and uh, you know so when we put that into into perspective with what we're dealing with right now we may have although this is a terrible situation we're dealing with we may kind of have the better end of the stick here.
1: Yeah, I think when we start comparing the kinds of things that previous generations have gone through I think we can We can see that that, uh, we're not the only ones who have problems.
0: Yeah, Um, Armin, thanks so much for being here. Again, your website is MrDad.com. Is that the best place for people to go to get all this information?
1: That is the best place, yeah. They can certainly get the books from their favorite bookstore, but they can can get everything through the website as well.
0: Well, thanks again for being here. Be safe with you and your family, and uh, we'll hopefully get you back on the program at another point.
1: That'd be great. Thanks so much for
0: having me, JV. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J. V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal, or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at Slick. Eddie Edwards at gmail.com